Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Oh, come on, let's give God a great, great shout this morning. Come on, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen. Give someone a high five and uh, tell them they are really, really ridiculously good looking. Can we put our heads together for the band? How good was the band this morning? Absolutely incredible. How many people think that uh, George is the greatest thing to come out of New Zealand? Look at him. Look at him. George Tenakoto, Tekofara, Whangaparere, Manako. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. And Ash, wow. Wow. Beautiful Ash. Just lift your hands, Ash. I just felt, I just felt God just, just give me a, just a little encouraging word for you, sweetie. And uh, I saw you standing on the stage and it's, it's not the prettiest of pictures, but I saw uh, like a, a shedding of skin. And, uh, and I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to kind of use a reptilian illustration here. But I, I just felt God say that He's bringing you into the new, and right. And there's been some, uh, there's been some old, and there's been some restriction and constriction. But you're shedding the skin. You're shedding, and you're going to leave behind, and it's going to be memorable. It's going to be this was the old Ash, and oh my gosh, we don't recognize this girl, and. It's new and it's vibrant and it's youthful and it's energetic and I just see just see a, a new light shining on you. But I, I just felt God just say, encourage her that what you're feeling, what you're walking through right now is actually a shedding of a skin. It's a shedding of a skin. And don't be afraid, don't hold on to the old. Don't hold on to the old. Just shed it. Trust God. You're, you're gonna be amazed with what God's gonna do. God's hands on you. This beautiful young lady here who sang as well. Michelle? Is it Michelle? Michelle? Would you lift your hands as well, sweetheart? Man, what a touch of God on you. What an incredible voice. Oh my goodness. And uh, God, God just showed me this that He's not just the God of the sunny days, He's not just the God of the Sunshine Coast, and He's not just the God of Noosa, but He's also the God of the storm. He's, he's, he's the God in the midst of the tempest, in the midst of the, the tumultuous seas. In fact, the disciples came to a place where they were with Jesus, but they never saw Him as clearly as when they were in the middle of a storm. And the Bible says their lives were in jeopardy and they awoke Him. And I just felt God say to you that uh, He's going he's gonna to reveal Himself to you as not just the God, of sunshine is not just the God of uh, fair weather, but He's also the God of the storm. And I see God just doing a, a work in your heart, a healing work and a building work and a bridging work. But God wants you to know that my hand's upon you and my favor is towards you and my blessing is flowing. And I literally see there's, there was a season where the enemy tried to shake your the foundations of your faith but you persevered, you held on to God even when you couldn't see Him. And because of that, my daughter, the Lord would say, I'm gonna bless you. 
and there is blessing that the devil cannot stop, that the devil cannot contain, that the devil cannot thwart, the devil cannot push back, that is flowing towards you because you have chosen to make the Lord your God and your refuge. And so I just see that over you, beautiful Michelle. And what a voice, girl. You need to write. I'm not sure if you're writing songs, but you and Ash, I'm telling you, this team up here, you guys need to get together. In, involve George. George is probably the coolest guy. This side of Gimpy, that's what I've heard. That's If you look up on Wikipedia, it says George. <laughs> but uh, George, I, I, I just want to prophesy over you as well. I know that you're in fashion. And I just see that there's been a few doors that are just out of your reach that are coming into your reach that are going to open for you. It's going to be incredible favor, incredible blessing, incredible financial blessing. And the Lord would say this to you, start thinking bigger. Don't, don't, just, don't just think in terms of, you know, making my ends meet. and pay. Start, start thinking six figures, start thinking seven figures, start thinking labels, start thinking there's a, there's a blessing. God, God's plan for you is much larger than the way you're currently thinking. Don't be afraid to think big. But people say to you, well, hang on, why are you thinking big? You're, you're in a sleepy part of the coast. No, no, no. The same God, whether you're in Noosa, whether you're in Whangarei, whether you're in Kaiwaka, no, Takaka, wherever it is, the, the same God in LA is the same God that's here. And He can bless you despite where you're, where you're sitting. And I just see God just says, think bigger, because what I want to do is so much larger. Amen. 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 It's great to see Matthew McCudden, who looks like Matthew McConaughey, only much more handsome. Pastor Christian's uh, beautiful younger brother. And uh, I know that Christian's doing a good job because look how beautiful Melissa is. Melissa just gets more and more beautiful every time I see her. It's such an honor to be here with you guys. You guys can take a break. Thank you so much. Go and, go and take a load off. Uh, it's great to be with you. I, I got smacked with the flu the last few days. Yesterday I was down in Bris Vegas uh, preaching at a Youth Alive thing down there. And uh, man, I don't know what I preached. Hopefully it was good. But I was just delirious with this, uh, this flu. But I want you to come with me in your Bibles just in the few moments we have together to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Uh, uh, the title of my message this morning is Convergence. Convergence. Hello, Sylvia. Stand up. This is Sylvia Mush. Turn around so everyone can see you. This is Sylvia. Sylvia is my prayer mum. She's, she's driven all the way from Jin Jin to be here. When did you get here? Just now? Last night? But when did you get here into church? I didn't see you. I turned around before and you weren't there. Oh, you went and saw Leanne preach. No, I don't blame you. I'd go and see Leanne preach if I could. Well, it's so great to see you here, beautiful Sylvia. You're amazing. Genesis chapter 28, title of my message is Convergence. Uh, it says this in verse 10. It says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haram, and he came to a certain place. Everyone say certain place. He came to a certain place, and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place, and he put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heavens. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, north, south, 
And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel literally means house of God. But the name of that place previously had been Luz. The word Luz means house of nuts. And sometimes you can walk in and the house of God looks like a house of nuts. Just at times. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going to give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set up shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I love this passage of scripture because it's a snapshot of church. It's kind of like God giving us a picture of what the church is is. Uh, is meant to be, meant to look like. And so the title of my message, Convergence, Convergence is, is basically a collision between two forces. When, when two, two streams come together, it's known as a convergence. I'm not sure what you walked into this morning. It can look like we just walked into a school hall, as Pastor Christian was saying, that we walked into a school hall, we walked into a place where, you know, five days a week they're operating in school, and here on a Sunday morning there's a band up on the, on the stage, and they're singing, and there's people lifting their hands, and People speaking in languages I've never learnt and, and, you know, what is going on here. But can I just tell you that this is the house of God. For, the, for these moments on a Sunday morning, it's the house of God. But I want you to know that the house of God is not just a place where, uh, you know, those who are religiously inclined gather. You know, for those who, you know, are somewhat superstitious and religiously inclined, they gather together because they need their little community, you know, like the Alsatians Club or... You know, that this is, you know, this is our, our equivalent of, uh, you know, a, a, a little, I'm trying to think of the name of that club. But anyway, my, I'm kind of half foggy this morning, but uh, trying to get together for just a little community meeting, a little community gathering. Can I just encourage you? The Bible says, where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst. There's a supernatural element. So let me give you a few thoughts this morning. The first, first thing about the house of God is when Jacob came to a certain place, there's a certainty that'll come into your life when you walk into the house of God. When I got saved, when I, I didn't get saved in a church, I got saved on a beach through Christian surfers. But it was amazing because at that particular moment, I was certain I was going to heaven. I knew, I knew that I was jacked up, I knew that I was, but I knew that because of what Jesus did on the cross, I was certain I was going to heaven. Not only that, but I was certain that God loved me. Not only that, I was certain that God was for me. I was certain that he had a plan for me. I was certain that I'd made peace. I remember at 17, leaving school and going to work in Sydney. And I'd, all my life, I'd felt this, this uh, empty void. I'd felt this loneliness on the inside of me. And I thought, oh, now that I'm working in Australia's most densely populated city, the city of Sydney, surrounded by people, getting off at, at Central Station, seeing people everywhere, I'll never forget walking along one of the streets feeling, my God, even though I'm surrounded by people, that loneliness is not gone. But the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ, a year later when I was 18, that hole on the inside of me, that ache, that longing 
was completely filled. The, the house of God is a place of certain. You can know for certain that God's got a plan, that God is good, that God's got a future for you. So he lies down in a certain place. And I like the fact that he lay his life down. That the house of God is a place where you lay your life down. You'll find that the word that will continually come is lay your life down. If you try and keep your life, the Bible says you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. You know, even the prophet Eminem said you've got to lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it, you better never go. You just got one shot to not miss your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself. And so you've got to lose yourself. And you'll find that as you lay your life down, as you, as you lay your life down, when I came into the house of God, now here's the thing, if you try to build your dream, if you try and build your business, if you try and build it in your strength, and you can, while you're young, you'll have energy. While you're, while you're young, you'll have strength. But what you build in your strength, you have to maintain in your strength. But there's, there's a supernatural, and, and I guess the good news of the church is that you don't have to try and forge your way ahead alone. That's why the tithe is so powerful. Man, the, 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 the smartest thing I, I ever did was became dumb enough to trust God with the tithe, to bring the first 10% to God. All my friends thought, oh, the church has sucked him in. Yeah, have you heard, heard, heard what happened to Jurgs? He's given 10% of his wage to the church. They've sucked him in. The, the smartest thing I ever did was became dumb enough to become dependent upon God because as soon as I did that, I opened up windows of heaven. Now, can I just tell you, Rudd can't tax the windows of heaven. The, the government can't, they, they can't do anything. So I, God, God cursed the ground for Adam's sake, but God says, you don't have to deal with the curse. He says, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings. So that there's a supernatural flow. Abraham has a son called Isaac. Isaac is the, is the son of promise. And then at 12 years of age, God says, Abraham, Abraham, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and offer him as a burnt offering. In other words, lay him down. He's waited 100 years for this boy. He arrives 12 years later. He says, I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. God was testing to see whether he'd lay him down. And you know the story, Abraham puts his only son on an altar, and then God says, stop, stop. Now I know that you will not withhold from me your only son. God was doing this because God had already predetermined and already pre-purposed that he was going to give his son into the earth. And he was just waiting for a legal transaction because God does everything legally. Satan was saying, hey, the world is mine. You can't intervene. But because of Abraham's faith and Abraham's obedience, God now actually had a clear path to give his only begotten son because he was a man called Abraham who was obedient to God. That opened the pathway for God to be able to bring Jesus into the world. But because Abraham laid down his son, God's in your son Isaac, the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And what, what, what God resurrects, man can't destroy, man can't kill. So there's a supernatural edge. So don't try and do life on your own. Don't try, and, and you may say, well, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but I can just work harder, I can just work. You can while you're younger. But the time is going to come where you, your energy is not going to be what it is. There's going to be a time where your energy levels, your testosterone levels, all of those things are going to drop. Man, you need the blessing of God. 
And church is a place where there's a convergence. There is a supernatural element. In fact, let me just say this, that you can do some things in your strength, but how much better to have God's wind in your sails, to have God's blessing, to have God's favor. The house of God is a place of the supernatural. So the, the first thing I want you to know is a place to lay your life down. It's a convergence of rest and arousal. Because no sooner does, does he lay his life down, but all of a sudden there's a, an awakening of God's purposes and plans on the inside of him. When Jacob lays down, the Bible says he begins to dream. You'll know that you're in the house of God because that dream mechanism will, will kick in again. Uh, psychology tells us this. It tells us that there are two hemispheres to our brain, the left brain and the right side of the brain. And it used to be that for the first 40 years, we lived out of the left side of our brain, which is the imaginative center. You talk to any little kids, it's firing on all cylinders. You know, I remember my little, little Zoe, you know, when she was like three or four, she'd come in, she'd be wearing a little Elsa dress. She's like, Daddy, I'm a princess. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, you know, even my, my son, you know, told me, I'm going to be an astronaut. Like, you know, they have no problem dreaming of greatness when they're little. I'm not sure what happens in our teenage years, but, you know, what do you want to be? I don't know. And everything just, you know, moves from, from grandiose to grunt. They say that for the first 40 years, we live in the imaginary center, and then the last 40 years, we move from there to where we live in the memory center. But over the, over the last kind of decade and a half, studies have shown that, that it's actually declined, that it's no longer the first 40 years that people live out of the imagination. People as young as 18 and 19 years of age have stopped imagining, have stopped dreaming, and started to live in the, the memory center, in the place of regret, in the place of remorse, in the place of, you'll find that when the Holy Spirit comes, the first thing that God does is He'll heal your brain. If you've been abused, if you've faced tragedy, if you've gone through something broken, if you've gone through devastation, you will find that those things will begin to eclipse the, the, the imagination center, and so no longer are you dreaming because you're living and you don't understand. And as soon as a dream tries to, to raise its head, as soon as it tries to bubble up, it is immediately squashed by who are you to dream? Mum and dad got divorced and they made a covenant at an altar that they'd be together till death do us part and look at that and you can't trust and Uncle Gary did this and this happened and then the economy. And, and, and immediately people, but when you come into the house of God, there is a supernatural element where when, when Jacob lay his life down, when he laid his life down, he began to pick up the, the dreaming mechanism and began to dream. And he saw a ladder set up between earth and heaven. The Bible says, in the last days I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Prophesying is, is one of the most powerful tools. And the, and the Apostle Paul, when he wrote in Corinthians 14, says you can all prophesy. Now, you can all you can all, but do all, no. But you can all. Can I just go one step further and say you should all prophesy? What prophesying is, is literally taking arrows, loading it into a bow, and shooting them into a day that's not yet. You, you, you ought to speak, you ought to prophesy about your future. You ought to declare that right here, right now, the God of C3, the God of this house, the God of this church, the God of this great, great, great Savior, Jesus Christ, 
this God, when he steps into your life, is going to change the trajectory of your dynasty. He's going to change the trajectory of your legacy. You may have come from from broken home, you may have come from divorce, you may have come from dysfunction, you may have come from addiction, you may have come from broken down, you may have come from from a, a background of poverty or welfare dependency, but can I just encourage you, today is a brand new day, and you can begin to prophesy that your God is changing the leg, He is changing the trajectory of your life, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, young men shall have visions and old men shall dream dreams. The, 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 Bible, the Bible is so amazing. This was written before neuropsychology neuro, uh, could, could understand that, that the dreaming mechanism is the first thing to go on the elderly. And here is God awakening your ability to dream again. You know, you and I, most of us have, you know, smartphones or, or you know, Apple phones. And that once existed in a man's mind. Steve Jobs had, had an idea that why don't we have email and phone and, you know, everything else that you can do on, on this one, one item, and, it, and it's all operated by a touchscreen technology. Before it existed in the natural, it existed in the imagination. Everything that, everything that exists in the world once existed in the realm of the imagination. The devil doesn't want you to, to have an imagination. The devil doesn't want you to dream. He wants to shut it down. But when you come into the house of God, the greatest dreams, the greatest creativity, the greatest fashion design, the, the, greatest, the, the greatest songs, the greatest music, the greatest things should be coming out of the house of God. God's got great things. Mr. Dance One. God's got great business ideas and, and God's got great innovations and inventions. And why not through you? Why not through you? Why not through you? But you got you to lay your life down. Lay your life down and dare to dream and dare to believe and dare to allow God to awaken that mechanism on the inside of you to dream the great dreams of God and see the dreams of God. So, so watch this. He sees, he, he starts to dream. And he sees a ladder set up from earth to heaven. How many people have a ladder at their home? Anybody, a few of you? Uh, I need a ladder because our fly screen got torn off on our second, and I can't get up there. So I need, need to get a new ladder. I've got a little step ladder. But the purpose of a ladder is, is really quite simple. This is not going to be profound at all, Ash. But the purpose of a ladder is for you to be able to reach something that you can't reach on your own. So Jacob has a dream, and the dream is just God making, trying to reveal to him what the house of God is like. When people say, what's C3 Noosa like? Man, it's awesome. Things that I can't reach in my strength. There is a, there is a, there is a ladder set. Uh, listen, I've been married 25 years next month. I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough to be able to, to be married for 25 years to the most beautiful woman on planet Earth. I'm not that smart. I'm not smart enough to, to build the church that I'm building. I'm not smart enough to have the things that I have. But I found that as I came into the house of God, there was a ladder set up between earth and heaven that gave me access to things that I could not reach, that I could not attain. The wisdom. I remember one time uh, I'm talking to one of my business guys on the phone. This guy, this guy. He has a number of companies. One of his companies turns over a little over $100 million a year. And he's gone, Pastor, I don't understand. You know, and, he, and he's telling me about this problem. And I'm honestly, I'm on, the, I'm on the phone as I'm driving thinking, why are you asking me? I've never run a $100 million company. I've got no flipping. You know, and, and I'm driving like this. And, uh, and he goes, so what do you think I should do? 
And honestly, out of my mouth, I wanted to say, well, I don't know, why are you asking? And out of my mouth come, what you ought to do is just... I'm like, that is brilliant. And he just goes quiet and he goes, oh, pastor, that's why you're my pastor. That's brilliant. And, uh, and when I hung up the phone, you know, he sends me this beautiful card and a bottle of wine saying that just, you know, saved me all this. I knew at that particular moment, I hadn't learned that. I hadn't been educated to pick that stuff. I, I didn't. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. I had access wisdom that had a supernatural origin that flowed into my life that gave me, I've got to tell you, half the decisions I'm, I'm like, whoa, I did, how did I? I'm not that smart. I got asked to leave school in year 11. I didn't even make it through year 12. There's a few reasons why, and I'm, I don't want to tell you because you'll think less of me, but anyway, they asked me to leave school in year 11. I got saved a little over a year later when I was 18. There's a true story. I'm, I got saved and Christian service and I started going to Wollongong Church of Christ where I met, uh, met my wife. And I remember I, I, after one of the services that the church just exploded. And so behind the stage, they put this, um, they put about another hundred chairs. They, they knocked out the wall and they put another hundred chairs because they couldn't fit everyone in on a Sunday. And I remember in the worship, you know, the bands up there and the lights are this way. I could kind of see this, this elderly gentleman kind of staring at me. I'm thinking, why is he staring at me? And I couldn't tell who it is because the lights were in my eyes. Anyway, no sooner has the church service finished, and this guy comes from behind the stage, and he just comes walking right up to me like this. He goes, Matthias! And I'm like, oh. And I look, and it's Mr. Dixon, my high school principal. Oh, 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 hi, Mr. Dixon. He goes, what are you doing here, son? I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, quick, make an excuse. Lie, lie. And then the other part of my brain that's now saved is like, you don't need to lie, you're a Christian. And the other part of my brain's like, no, he's never going to go for that. Make up a lie. You know, and, I'm, and, uh, and I look, and I go, oh, I'm a Christian. He goes, no, you're not. Why are you here? I said, oh, honestly, Mr. Christian, I, uh, Mr. Dixon, oh, I got saved. And he sat down next to me and he just looked straight ahead. He goes, no, not you. I said, honestly, Mr. Dixon. So, so I got asked to, to leave school in, in, in year 11, you know, mucked around. But I came into the house of God, and I've got to tell you, I'm living so far above my pay grade. Now, here's what I know. God is no respecter of persons. If he'll do that with me, he'll do that with you. But the devil is so crafty. He'll tell you, you, you know, you can't trust God, or, you know, you can't trust the church, or you can't lay your life down. Now, let me just say this. Some of you may say, well, you don't understand. I once went to a church and I got hurt in church. Can I just tell you? I once went surfing and I got hurt surfing. I still love surfing. Oh, okay, well, hang on. Well, I, I, I went to church and I had a bad experience. I had a bad experience in a restaurant, but I still eat out. I got cut off on the freeway. I still drive on the freeway. At some point just got to build a bridge get over it now can I just say this can I just say this actually with that that can sound a little bit callous can I just tell, encourage you that there are going to be moments in church where God will allow people to maybe hurt you or offend you because maturity is synonymous with your ability to forgive 
A person who can't forgive is spiritually immature. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, the Romans who nailed him to the cross are now gambling for his clothes. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they, they're not even asking for forgiveness. But, but Jesus is just so, I mean, he is the perfect model of maturity. He's forgiving them. There's a lot of people, well, I'm, I won't forgive them. You know, uh, they, they left me off the choir roster. I was meant to be the worship leader. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, you know, all you're doing is saying, this is how immature my Christianity is. Forgiveness is like a muscle. And so God will, God will help you in the gym of life strengthen. Make a decision. There's not, nothing that anybody can do that is going to take me out or is going to, you know, stop my growth in God. You know, uh, we, we spent seven years in, in Monaco City, New Zealand. And uh, they, were, they, were, they were formative years. They were shaping years. But I've got to tell you, they were difficult years. They were difficult years. I saw st- strong leadership and then I saw incredible corruption in that leadership. I saw a, uh, uh, a, a leader who made it her mission to destroy my wife. My wife was 17 when we got married, 19 when she had our first son. And she literally came into, into ministry just, you know, excited and ready to serve God. And then this person saw he was this young, vulnerable person, very beautiful with a gift of God, but for whatever reason made it her mission to try and destroy uh, my wife. And uh, just watching Leanne walk through all of that and for us walk through all of that, uh, I know that today we have what we have today because at every opportunity, at every juncture, we could have decided, that's it, we're not forgiving, that's it, we're going to be offended, and we could have left with an offense. We, we could have left offended, we could have left ticked off, but we would have put a ceiling over our life. We just made a decision, we're not going to let another human being rob us of what God has for us. Just make a decision today. Just make a decision today when, 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 when somebody hurts you, when somebody lets you down, when somebody's snarky or nasty or, you know, obstinate or whatever, just make a decision today. Hey, you know what? You're not that big a cheese that you're going to stop me from walking in the blessing of God and walking in the favor of God. In fact, if anything, today you just gave me another opportunity to be more like Jesus and forgive. I mean, I love the story of, of Jesus is in the garden. You know, and, and Judas has kind of made this little covert signal. He's like, oh, you know, the one that I kiss, that's the guy. You know, and then he goes, Rabbi. And Jesus sees through it. And Jesus says to, to Judas, he goes, friend. I'm reading that, Count Jesus, this is not a friend. Time out. This is not the behavior, but Jesus says, friend, do what you've come to. In other words, I'm not going to be full of bitterness and resentment. And, I mean, if, if, if it was me, you know, if Judas was leaning in for a kiss, I would have given him a kiss, a Liverpool kiss. Poof, you know, and, uh, oh, just hold it back, Judas, it's broken. Yeah, you know, it'll stop the, you know, that's what I would have done. But I'm not Jesus. Jesus calls him friend. Jesus calls him friend. Just make a decision that don't let anybody, don't let anybody. You know, it still amazes me that God puts me, that God puts people in charge of his church. And, and people aren't perfect. It's like, you know, the, the, another picture of the church is Noah's Ark. 
Noah's Ark where you got in this pen is lions and the next one is sheep and the lions want to eat the sheep and you've got to make sure you keep them divided and there's probably a few leaks and some smells and everything else. And, and, but at the end of the day, it was the only boat that was floating to escape the judgment and the church may not be perfect. She may have a few leaks and these people want to devour you, whatever, but it's still God's plan. It's still God's purpose. And, uh, you know, being in the church. So it's a place to lay down your life. It's a place to dream. It's a place to reach higher. The Bible says the angels of God were ascending and descending. They were ascending and descending on it. So it's a place of transaction. You'll find that in the house of God that there is a supernatural flow of transaction. That there is a, uh, there's a place where you'll find that that it's not just one way. It's not just you giving your praise and you giving your tithe and you giving your worship and you giving your time in service. You'll actually find that when you come in, whatever you give is given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I, I, honestly, the church has built my life. The church has built my life. I thought that I gave my life to building his house only to look back and realize as I was building his house, he had built my house, the strength in my house, my four children, my family, you know, my, my uh, the different uh, trajectory, looking at my dad who was a raging alcoholic and violent and, and everything, and, and I was on that same path of rejection, but when God stepped in, built my house so that my family's different, my children are different, you know, the blessing of God on my life, you'll find that there's a place of transaction. You'll find that there are actual angels ascending, going up, carrying your prayers, carrying your burdens. I'm not sure if you realize this, but Psalm 91 says that each and every single one of us, on the day that you were conceived, had at least at least two angels. It doesn't say how many. It says that you have guardian angels appointed over you. And, and uses the word angels, which is plural. So it means that there's more than one. It could be three, could be five, could be seven. I'm not sure, but it's at least, it's at least two because it's angels. And you need to understand that they carry prayers. They carry things up to the throne of God. But then there are angels descending, bringing answers back, bringing supernatural back. The house of God is a place where you, when you come, there, there's supernatural transaction. You can come into the house of God uh, with sickness and find healing. You know, uh, a few years ago, every January we do a fast in, in our church in San Diego. It's winter in San Diego. And so we always start the, the, the beginning of the year with a fast. And uh, we were doing a fast, and I really felt God say to me, I want you to dig three wells. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a spade. And uh, he's like, no, no, in prayer. I want you to dig three wells in prayer. In Genesis 26, it talks about how Isaac dug again the wells of his father, Abraham. Abraham had dug wells. And if you know anything about the nomadic uh, lifestyle is you, you, you have to find water. If you don't find water, you and your cattle and everything else is going to die. So they built their communities around water and especially a well. And wells were fought over and wells were... And so Abraham had dug some wells, but the enemy... This is how he operates. The Bible says the Philistines had stopped up the wells. They threw dead animals and rocks and filled it in with dirt. And so Isaac had to dig again the wells of his father Abraham. And God spoke to me and he says, I need you to dig again the wells in San Diego. And I said, what are those wells? And he said, you know, your church will be known for three things. Number one, when people walk in sick, there's going to be a well. There's going to be a flow of supernatural healing, supernatural healing. It says the second one, when people come in that are, un, are unable to conceive, when they come into this house, they will conceive. 
He says, and the third one is prosperity. That when people come into this house, they'll come in broke, they'll come in, you know, limited, they'll come in in debt, they'll come in in despair, but all of a sudden they're going to find their lives are going to begin to supernaturally prosper. So throughout that, that fast, 30-day fast, we just it had prayer meetings every, pretty much every night of the week, but praying for those things, and I'm telling you, it just went through the roof. And uh, one of the stories is we had this, this couple, they'd been in our church, uh, she'd had something like nine miscarriages, nine miscarriages. And when the, she went to the doctors, the doctors said that um, uh, the, the, her womb was so acidic and she'd had cysts and ovaries and all kinds of problems that their only hope was either in vitro or adoption. So they decided to forego their, their deposit to buy a house and they put all that money into in vitro fertilization up in LA. And so uh, I think they had about maybe a dozen eggs that were fertilized and they were really excited. All of a sudden they get this phone call that nobody wants to get after you spent your entire deposit on a home. And it was the, the, uh, the medical company saying, this has never happened before. This has never happened before. We, we don't even know how this happened. But there was a power outage overnight. One of the fuses blew. And the only eggs that we lost were yours. All your eggs are gone. And I'll never forget the, the, the devastation. And when, when they told me, I just thought, you know, that, that sounds more like a curse. She's had nine miscarriages. Then they get in vitro. For, there's 12 eggs that are fertilized. And then these eggs are fine. These, but theirs is the only one that... That sounds like there's a flipping devil a demonic force, some type of curse that's at play here. So I got them into to our green room and I prayed over them and I broke this curse in the name of Jesus. Within six weeks, she's naturally pregnant and now has the most beautiful, handsome little boy and, uh, and they're about to start planning for baby number two. The church is a place of supernatural transaction, supernatural transaction. I've got to keep my eye on the time. And, uh, but can I just encourage you, it's a place where you lay your life down. So, so Jacob lays his life down. He starts to dream the dreams of God. When you walk into this house, you have no idea. You think, man, I'm walking into a school hall, but the X factor that's here, there's a God. And the Bible says that when Jacob looked above the angels ascending and descending was God. And then God spoke to him. He says, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. All the land that you see, I'm going to give you. And then God begins to tell him about his descendants being as numerous as the dust on the earth and begins to prophesy. I've got to be really honest. When you walk into the house of God, you'll find that God will begin to speak to you his great promises. He'll begin to reveal to you his great plans. Here's the problem. You and I disqualify ourselves because we live with ourselves. Come on, I live with me. I know, I, I know, I know. In fact, I can quote to God every one of my disqualifications. When God says, I want to bless you, I'm like, oh, God, whoa, 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 I let you down. Here, 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 and here, and in case you weren't over here. And, and, but God, God knows all of my weaknesses. The Bible says he knows my lying down and knows my, my rising up. And in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my blemishes, in spite of my faults, in spite of my sinful, in spite of all of these things, He still loves me. He is still for me. He still blesses me. Man, this is what I've discovered. My bad behavior does not in any way inhibit God's incredible love 
and blessing and favor towards my life. That's just good news. To know that there is a not just a force, but a being behind this force that is moving my life forward, that is causing things to align in my world, the blessing of God, the favor of God. And you'll find that in this house, God is going to begin to release uh, release great things. How many people know, as, as I just finish, and, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. How many people know that scripture? Jeremiah 29, 11. For those of you that don't, this is what it says. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. You'll find that one of the great things that church will do is it'll begin to, uh, begin to get you to shift your dish, begin to turn your, 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 your satellite towards the Spirit of God. You have a spirit. You have a spirit. That's why you, you, sometimes you, you, you have it like what they say, a sixth sense. It's, it's your spirit. It's, that, it's the spiritual component of you. And you'll find that as you begin to turn that towards God, you'll find that you begin to capture God's thoughts. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. It doesn't say I know the thoughts that I think about you. God doesn't just limit his thoughts to just being about you. He doesn't just kind of sit up in heaven going, <laughs> George, I like. No, no, he doesn't just think thoughts about George. He's actually thinking thoughts towards George. He's actually thinking thoughts towards you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, God is thinking thoughts towards you. What are these thoughts? They're good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. What God is hoping is that just one of these thoughts, He knows the power of every thought that He thinks towards you. Thoughts to prosper you. So that when the thought comes, most of the time what I do, God says, I've got a future. Oh, no, you couldn't have a future for me. God, I'm just so poorly behaved. Man, I'm just so sinful. Man, I'm just so jacked up. I'm just, and I reject the thoughts. But God, God is relentless. He just keeps thinking his thoughts towards you. And all of a sudden, one day in the middle of worship, I've got a future for you. You know, man, you know what, God, you got to, he is thinking thoughts towards you, hoping that those things will, will, will land. When one of those thoughts land, you need to understand Everything God does in the Bible, God, be, God does it with a seed that ends in a harvest. In the book of Genesis, God plants a garden. In the book of Revelation, a city comes down from heaven. It begins as a garden and it ends in a city. Everything God does starts with a seed and ends in a harvest. And God knows that every thought that He thinks is like a seed in your mind that can begin to shift and change. You will find that as you lay down your life, as you surrender, as you find yourself planted in this house, that there's a supernatural flow, there's a supernatural dimension, that there's transactions that are going to take place, that you're going to find a supernatural edge breathing on your life, breathing on your marriage, breathing on your finances, breathing on your family, breathing on your children. You're going to find there's going to be an awakening of your hopes and your dreams. It's called the house of God. There is nothing like it in the earth. Rotary was the one I was thinking of before, and then I kept getting Rolex, but you know, maybe someone, God's going to give you a Rolex, but, uh, but you know, it's, this is not a rotary club. This is the house of God. There's a supernatural dimension. So would you just close your eyes? I'm, I am out of time, but I want to pray for some people this morning. If you're here today and maybe, you, maybe it's your first time in church or maybe it's your first time in a long time in church or maybe you're here today and you've gotten disconnected from God. You know, the truth is we live in a world that makes it easy to get disconnected from God. And man, sometimes it makes it very difficult to get connected to God. But you're in the right place today. You came to the house of God, and we want to connect you with God. If you've never surrendered to God and you're here today, and you're thinking, man, I need to do that. I'd love to pray for you. 
or if you're here and just far from God. Friend, life's too short and God's too good for you to live far from Him. I'd love to pray for you today. So if that's you today, would you quickly raise your hand and say, Pastor Jürgen, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm disconnected from God or I'm far from God. I need to come back. Thank you. Who else there? Thank you, champion. I see your hand. Who else is there? Would you let me pray for you? feel like there's still somebody else. Quickly, just lift your hand and I'll see it and I'll, I'll pray for you and I'll, I'll hand over. Who else is there? Quickly, I'm, my life's not right. I'm just a little bit disconnected. I'm far from God. I need to surrender to God. Is there anybody else? Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Beautiful. Oh, man, I still feel like God's just tugging on someone's heart. Who is that person? There's one more. God's going after you. Right now, your heart's almost pounding in your chest. God's saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. You've been hurt, but you can trust me. Thank you, champion. Thank you, champion. Let me just also tell you this. God is not trying to get anything from you. He's actually trying to get something to you. Sometimes we've got to roll away the stone, but he's trying to get something to us. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. While our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, can I just lead you all in a prayer? Let's say these words. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that you so love me that you sent Jesus Christ, your only son, to die on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, today, I surrender my heart to you. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Awaken the dreams and purposes of God for my life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.